Would you pray with me? Father, we just want to say thank you this morning that, um, Lord, that we can take no credit whatsoever for the work that you've done in our lives, Father. Lord, we are only being transformed today because you have, you've done it all. Father, you are the one that sent your son. You are the one that applied the blood to us. Father, you are the one that took our sin and applied it to Him on that cross, and You took His righteous life lived, and You applied it to us. Father, we um, <laughs> we have no option to do anything, to boast about anything. The only thing we can do is just praise Your glorious name. Father, all the glory truly is to Your name and Your name alone. Father, I thank You this morning for songs that remind us of that. And Lord, I just pray this morning that... Um, Lord, everything that we have sung, everything we've said, everything we've done has been pleasing to You. Lord, I pray that it has been truthful about who You are, truthful about... Uh, uh, Lord, I just pray with that, that anything that we speak about You and we attribute to, to You, Lord, that we are accurate in doing so. And Father, I thank You for the people that You've put in place to, to lead us in that. And I thank You for, uh, Lord, the songs that they choose and the songs that they sing. Father, and right now as we get ready to get into Your Word, Father, I, I want to remind myself that, um, Lord, I have no power. I have no ability that belongs to me. What do I have that I have not received? Father, You've, you've given me everything. And so, Father, right now I, I just ask You, God, that, um, Lord, You would give me what I need again to present Your Word accurately. Father, I pray, God, that Your transforming power would be seen as, as we hear this Word, as we understand it, and as we apply it to our lives. God, I pray that we truly are transformed from, from darkness into Your glorious light. And so, Father, help us this morning. Lord, I just trust that when You send Your Word out, it will not return to You void. You will cause it to do what You sent it out to do. And so, Father, right now, we ask You to do what You do best, Father. Lord, transform lives by the power of Your Word. Lord, we love You and we praise You. And we ask You for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd um, ask you to grab them and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to... Um, Read again, as we have so many times, verses 17, starting there. We're going to go all the way through verse 32. And as always, if you have the means and you're able, uh, I'd invite you to stand to give reverence in reading the Word of God. If you need to stay seated, that's all right. Um, whatever you need to do. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. Now this I say and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And it's due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous, have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him. Assuming that you were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. And here's the truth. 
that you put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and you are renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self that is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away lying or falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your rage or your wrath, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You can be seated. Hey, sissy, Lizzie, would you go and get me a cup of water? Thank you. <clears throat> this morning I want to talk to you from the subject of words are meant for building. Words are meant for building. You know, um, we've been talking about being um, born again. We have saw from this text many times, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but it is important that you understand that we're not just trying to modify people's behavior. We want to make sure first and foremost that we're preaching the gospel to you over and over again so that we see the evidence of new hearts and new minds. You know, this is a thing that a lot of times we, we get wrong in church, but in the youth ministry a lot, we beat kids, beat them and beat them and beat them that don't drink, don't do drugs, don't have sex till you're married. And that's where a lot of times we've been guilty of just setting our feet down and we just hammer down on don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and do this. And we neglect the fact that it's very likely that maybe they've never been born again. If they had been born again, then there's a heart in them that whenever we do teach them these things, they have a desire to want to follow these. And so we get a little lopsided. As Nick says, we get out of proportion. And we, and we begin to focus so much on church, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, instead of really setting our feet in and understanding if we spend as much time Sunday after Sunday beginning with the gospel, you must be born again. Then we can go into now because you're a new person, because you have a new nature. Don't live like this. This is how you live for God. And you don't have to beat it into them. You know why? Because they have a heart that is looking for that. My sheep know my voice. They hear me. They follow me. And so, I don't mean to beat this horse, but thank you, Lizzie. But I want you to understand we're not talking about, I'm trying to get you to just quit doing bad things. No. 
I want you to understand, you must be born again. So Paul starts this out by helping them understand. If you have been born again, he spends the first three chapters telling them, this is who you are in Jesus as a Christian. Now he gets to chapter 4 and he says, okay, because of who you are, you must no longer walk like the world walks. They're darkened in their understanding. They have futile minds. It's, it's useless. They have darkened hearts and hardened hearts and they're ignorant in their understanding, but not you. You know why? Because you've learned Christ. If indeed you have learned Christ. You see what He's doing? And so, I want you to understand this morning that it is, it is a requirement first that you understand that you have been born again. That you see the evidence of a heart that really wants to follow God. That you see the evidence of a mind that wants to learn from Him and apply those things to your life because by faith you want to follow Him. And if you don't see that, then this part right here really don't even apply to you. Because if you've not been born again, you can keep on cussing if you want to. You can keep on lying if you want to. You can keep on stealing if you want to because at the end of the day, it don't matter anyway for you. So you must be born again. But now we get to the application part in Ephesians chapter 4. And today, we are going to learn that we are as Christians and followers of Christ to put off the corrupting talk that comes out of our mouth. We are to put on good talk that builds up, and we are to do it because it will impart grace to the ones who hear. That's going to be the structure of my message today. Let's begin first with um, understanding what it means whenever we're talking about putting off corrupting talk and putting on words that build up. Here's something you need to understand before I get into my first point. Our God is a speaking God. Our God reveals Himself in Word. He is invisible, but when He wants to display Himself, He says, let there be, and there is, whatever there is, He speaks. He is a speaking God, and He reveals Himself and is revealed to us even today by Word. The Bible tells us that in the last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. In the former days, He spoke to us by prophets. And today, He has spoken to us through His Son. And so all that you have in the Bible is God is speaking to us to reveal to us who He is, what He requires, and what it is that we must do in order to be right with Him. So our God is a speaking God. Just so you see this, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what this says. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word what? The Word was God. Our God is a speaking God. He is an invisible spirit, and when He desires to reveal Himself, He does so in Word. In speaking, alright? Now, also, not only did he, did he speak all things into existence, and if you were to keep on going to verse 3, it tells us all things were made through Him, or the Word, and without Him was not anything made 
that was made. So everything that is came into being through our God speaking. Alright? Now we move to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 and here's what we find out. In Hebrews chapter 1 it says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds, listen to this, He upholds the universe by what? In other words, if Jesus were to stop speaking right now, what would happen to you and I? He upholds the universe. In other words, not only did He create all things by His spoken Word, but He also holds it together by the Word of His power. In other words, He says, let there be. And because He said, let there be, there is. And the moment that He says, let there be no more, guess what? He upholds everything by the Word of His power. Alright? And so we were all made in the image of a speaking God, of a God that reveals Himself in Word. And so because we're made in His image, guess what that means about our words? There are power in your words too. Now to be clear, I'm not saying that you have the same authority to speak into existence like God speaks into existence. You don't. The fact of the matter is this. This power belongs to God and God alone. Alright? But you do have power in your words. You remember when God was bringing the plagues on Egypt and um, one of the first things He did was He told Moses, throw your stick on the ground and what's going to happen to it? It's going to become a serpent, right? And then you reach down and you pick it up and it will become a staff again. Well, guess what? Moses did that. And you know what the magicians from Egypt did? Same thing. Then they came in there and Moses turned water into blood and all the fish died. And you know what the magicians from Egypt came in and did? Same thing. Then Moses came in and he brought frogs up. Frogs everywhere. Now he didn't create frogs, he just called them up. And they all came up and they infested Egypt. And you know what the, what the magicians from Egypt did? But then God said, I'm going to call from the dust of the earth and I'm going to create from the dust and make it all gnats. And the whole place was covered in darkness of gnats all over the place. And when that happened in Exodus chapter 8, verse 16 through 19, look at what happened. Then the Lord said to Moses, now this is the word of the Lord, right? Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. And Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but what? They could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Now look at verse 19. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is what? But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. In other words, there are things that we can do that mimic in many ways the power of God. But only God has the power and authority 
to speak something out of nothing and it become something. He alone holds that. But again, that does not mean that we don't have the power in our words to do certain things. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 37 says this, Who has spoken and it happened if the Lord has not commanded it to be so? And you know what the answer to that is? No one. No one. Unless the Lord commands it to be so, you can speak whatever you want to speak. It don't mean you have the power to speak it into existence. That's important because there are faiths that will teach you today that you've got to speak things into existence. Speak things over your life and speak things over your children. No. You can speak what God has spoken and said and there will be power in that. But who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? So only God has the power to speak things into, into existence. However, we do have power in our words. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. What do you think that means? means your words can do what? Can wound. It'll be like sword thrust. You have words that can do that, alright? And the tongue of the wise does what? So here's what we see in that. In your words, you have the power to wound or you have the power to heal in your wounds. That's important, right? Or in your words. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. These are the only two I'll give you that talk about this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. What's in the power of the tongue? Again, you have the power to destroy, or you have the power to bring life in your words. And this is important, because again, we are made in the image of a speaking God. And so it shouldn't, it shouldn't surprise us when we hear there is great power in our words. James chapter 3, and I didn't give Nathan this, but it says, a great forest can be set ablaze by a single spark. You can set an entire forest on fire by a single spark, right? And he says your tongue is the same way. Your tongue being such a small member of the body, stains the whole body. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. And so again, such a small member of the body, and yet so much power in it. And so today, Paul teaches us that as new creations in Christ, born again believers, we have to be careful to use our words to build up, because words are meant for building, not tearing down. So he says to us, we must no longer walk like this. How must we no longer walk? We must put off the corrupting talk that comes out of our mouths. Alright? So here's the question I want to answer very quickly. What is corrupting talk? Because what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think corrupting talk? Cursing, right? That's not what he's talking about in the immediate context. Now we'll get to that. 
but not in the immediate context. And so we have to answer the question, what is corrupting talk? Because yes, cursing will be included in this, but notice in verse 29 of chapter 4 again, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but what? But only such as is good for what? Building up. So in the context that he's talking about, he's been talking about us not lying to one another because we're members one of another, right? The whole book of Ephesians, the whole chapter of Ephesians chapter 4 is about us being members of each other, helping each other grow into the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ Jesus, right? It's all about maintaining the unity, walking in humility toward each other, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, And then he comes in and he says, don't lie to each other because you'll destroy this unity. Don't, um, uh, what was the next one that he said? Let me get back to it. Don't be angry with each other to the point that you let your rage and wrath out toward each other. Don't give the devil opportunity to destroy this unity, to destroy what God is building here. And then he says, don't steal from one another. Uh, Again, he's talking about things that helping each other. Uh, Give to those who are in need. Work with your hands. And so all of this context here is about us growing together in Christ. And so he says here, you can either use your words to build up or you can let corrupting talk come out of your mouth and that corrupting talk can what? Tear down. You can choose what you use your words for. So here's the first thing I think he's talking about in the immediate context. Corrupting talk is slander. Slander. Yeah, guys, this is important. Y'all listen to me because I'm guilty. Can I just go ahead and say that to you this morning? I'm guilty. I'm guilty of it this week. Sitting there studying the, this right here, God said, you remember when you was talking to so-and-so? and Yeah, I do. I sure do. And so listen closely because I promise you this is going to apply to you in some way, All right. So here's what you need to understand. Corrupting talk is slander. Here's what slander is. Slander is talk that harms the reputation of another. In other words, you are talking in such a way that you're trying to focus on the flaws and the failures in a way that actually makes you look better than the the person you're talking about. Slander is talk that harms the reputation of the other. How many of you know that naturally we are people that want other people to worship us? We want to be praised. We want somebody to tell me how good I am, how good I did something. And let me tell you something, if you don't think you're that kind of person, wait until you do something with all your heart and nobody gives you any credit for it. You'll realize that naturally you are a person that wants the praise of others, even if it's in small doses. Slander is one way that we accomplish that. We'll talk about other people's flaws and failures because I want my listener to to think good about me while I'm talking to this other person. And here's what's so deceiving about it. We will come to each other in the disguise of, I'm just so concerned about Nick, Ronnie. You know, Ronnie, Nick's just, I see him doing this and I see him doing that. And Nick just don't, Nick just don't really do this right. And 
You know, his mouth. I mean, good gracious, y'all. His, his mouth. And I mean, and I love him so much, but Ronnie, Nick is just, I mean, Nick just, but Ronnie, look how good a pastor I am. <laughs> y'all see it? I mean, and that's the way we do. We disguise it into, and, and let me tell you something. This is something that we will do and actually in our own hearts make ourselves believe that we're actually, we have, we have deacons meetings about it. We have teachers meetings about it. We sit down with our co-workers at work and talk about it. And in our hearts, we're sitting here talk, thinking the whole time that my concern really is for Nick. Guess what I would do if my concern really were for Nick? Y'all tracking with me? Slander. Slander is exactly what he is talking about here. And we just want the buzz that we get of that little sense and small dose of worship as Ronnie looks at me as I point out Nick's flaws as a pastor that don't quite match up. But yet, look at me, Ronnie. Come on, Ronnie, look at me. And the truth of the matter is, Nick can do the same thing. But... That is not what he's talking about here. He says this is corrupting talk. This is talk that tears down. It's not talk that builds up. So, so corrupting talk is slander. The next thing, corrupting talk is seasoned with destruction. I need to go through these a little quickly to get to, to my main points. But corrupting talk is seasoned with destruction as opposed to construction, right? Good talk would be talk that builds. Corrupting talk is talk that tears down and destroys. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9, and we'll have it up here for you if, um, if we get it there. Proverbs 11, verse 9 says, With his mouth the godless man destroys his neighbor. With his mouth he destroys his neighbor. His talk will be seasoned not with words that are meant to build another person up, but instead, your talk will be seasoned with words that all you do is point at the flaws and the failures of that person. And in that, you're not building that person up. Your words are seasoned with destruction. Do you see that? I was doing that this, this last week. I'm telling you, God hit me so hard on this. I was talking to this person and, um, and, and I, I was, they were actually asking me about a particular ministry and I said, oh yeah... You know, this is really bothering me and I just wish this person would would this and this and this and this. And I sat down and studied this and I thought, and here's what God said. You know, if you really wish that person would this and this and this, you know what you'd have done? You'd already sit down with them. And instead of your words being seasoned with construction, your words were seasoned with destruction. And with His mouth, that belongs to the old man, right? The godless man would destroy his neighbor with his mouth. But that's not the way God works. Corrupting talk is divisive. It's not unifying. So that's the next thing corrupting talk is. It's divisive. It's not unifying. Now remember, unity is the theme of this entire chapter. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse all the way through verse 6, and you'll notice that he says, make sure I'm pleading with you, 
Put on humility and gentleness and kindness and long-suffering and with everything in you, you maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace because we were all called into one body, one Spirit, one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one God who is Father of all and in you all. And the whole point is we have been made one body in Christ. And so corrupting talk is talk that does not bring us closer together, but divides us. And we, when we slander each other, and, and whenever we uh, have words seasoned with destruction, we're not being unified. We are actually creating divisions. If I come to Ronnie, and I'm talking to Ronnie about Nick, are my words causing Ronnie to think better of Nick? Not if they're seasoned with destruction. And so instead of creating unity, guess what I have just done? I've just created a divide there in Ronnie's mind toward this brother right here. And so that's what we see. Let me show you how God feels about that. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord, what? Hates. Seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. Now remember, there were six He hates. Seven, that's an abomination. What's the seventh one? One who sows discord among brothers. Let me tell you something. The talk that is divisive and not unifying, it's an abomination to God. He hates it with everything that He has to hate it with. And so corrupting talk is any talk that comes from, look at Ephesians 4 verse 31, and you'll see he sums it all up right here. Any talk that comes from bitterness, any talk that comes out of wrath, any talk that comes out of a bad response to anger, any talk that is clamor, you know what clamor is? Clamor is just a bunch of racket that, you, that, that you're yelling and screaming off for, for because of your anger, your bitterness. And what's that next word? Slander. Any talk that is slander. And he says, here's what you do with all that stuff. You put it away from you along with all malice. You know what malice is? Malice is any intent to do harm. So in other words, he's still talking about you have to put off corrupting talk from out of your mouth. Any talk that is tearing down in any way that has any intent to do harm and it is not intending to do good, you put it off. You put it off in every way possible. So corrupting talk is also anything out of character. Look at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 4 since you're right there at it. Because he, he, he continues this on. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are what? Out of place. Out of character. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So here's the next thing corrupting talk is. Paul says not only is corrupting talk anything that has the intent to do harm to another's reputation in any way, but corrupting talk 
is whenever you are just out of character. You are out of place. Let me ask you a question. Is God someone who destroys the reputation of others? Is God someone who His desire is to tear down? No, His desire is to build up. His desire is to impart grace, to benefit the hearer in some way. And so, in this right here, if you are being created after the likeness of God, you remember that? If you're being created after the likeness of God, then it is out of character for you to have language that intends to harm. It is out of character for you to have filthy, obscene, dishonorable, unwholesome talk in any way. The question is, when you talk, is that the way that God would talk? So there again, here's where we get into, yes, cursing. Cursing would also be unwholesome talk. Not because because at the end of the day, how many of you know cursing is just words? It's just a word. You can, it depends on what you mean with it, correct? But how many of you know that whenever somebody comes around you dropping F-bombs, can I say F-bombs from the pulpit? Can I say that, brother? Alright, just making sure. Not literally say F-bombs, alright? But when somebody comes around you dropping language like that, what does that do to your ears? Is that something you look at and go, man, that's a godly person right there. I mean, look at the image of Christ in this guy right here. It's out of character, right? It's out of place. And so here he says, you are portraying an image of Christ to the world, a new man that's being created. So it's not just about quitting quitting cursing and saying specific words. It's about speaking in such a way that when someone hears you, they see and hear the words of God. That's how God speaks. That's how Christ speaks. And so... Anything out of character is corrupting talk. And we must no longer walk the way that they walked, which is out of character. Corrupting talk is being unthankful. Again, notice what he says at the end of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. So here's another thing that we do. We walk around with a negative, unthankful mouth that always finds something wrong with everything. Y'all know anybody like that? Don't slander. Don't slander. Negative, never thankful for anything. There ain't nothing good about my life, my job, my wife, my kids, my... I mean, there's just flaws in everything. And they walk around just unthankful instead of walking around in thanksgiving. God, thank You that I got a job. Is it rough? Yeah, it's rough. You know what? I got one of the best jobs in the world. I can honestly say that. And you know, there are days... (laughs) There are days when I hate going to work. So I can tell you as a witness... You can have the greatest job in the world and have everything going your way. And I promise you, because you're in a cursed world, there's still going to be things about that job that you hate, that drive you crazy. You can find something to be unthankful for always. Or you can realize that you've got a lot to be thankful for. 
and you can praise God for what you do have. Corrupting talk is the default of the old man. You remember last week when we were talking about a man that don't work? Do you remember what the sin was that it leads to when he walks in idleness? Busybodies? Meddling in other people's businesses? Let me tell you, when I was talking to that person this week, it actually began that we were working on something. We were busy. We, we were working on some stuff. We were busy. And then when the work stopped, when the work stopped, all of a sudden, you know what we started doing? It's our default. And we have to be very quick to pay attention to that so that we can put it away. Put it away. When we catch ourselves doing that, we ought to be looking for it because we know it's our default. I'm not going to ask any of you to raise your hand if you know it's your default because you're all going to have to raise your hands or you're going to be liars, one of the two, whatever you want to be. So... Do you know what the word, the original Greek word is in which we translate it corrupting talk or sometimes your translation translates it unwholesome? You know what the word actually means? It's the same word they use to describe rotten fruit or spoiled fish. That's the kind of talk that he says comes out of your mouth when it's tearing down instead of building up. When it's representing the world in His ways instead of God and His ways. It's like rotten fruit or spoiled fish coming out of your mouth. Number two, we must put on... Look what he says there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 again. He says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only... In other words, here's the only thing that you should let come out of your mouth. But only such talk as is good for building up. So we put on good talk. Not corrupting, spoiled, rotten talk. Good talk. Good talk that builds up. That actually don't focus on the flaws and the failures of each other, but it actually builds up. So let's answer this question. What is good talk? Well, it'll be the opposite of everything that we've said, right? So instead of slander which are words meant to harm the reputation of another, what is good talk? Words that are meant to lift the reputation of another. Is Nick the same pastor as me? No. Is Nick the same teacher as me? No. Is Nick the same singer as me? God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. Hold on. Hold on. But I can honestly tell you, there is not a person that I know, not an Anthony Bledsoe, which is one of the godliest men I know that I work with, not a John Piper, not a John MacArthur. There is not another human being that I know of that I would rather have by my side and work with in the ministry than Nick King. I dread the day that God ever says, 
Nick, I need you to go somewhere else. Or ever says, Kevin, I need you to go somewhere else. I dread it. I can always find some kind of flaw and failure to point out in any of us. But I can also look at you and tell you that I know what God can do with you. Because I've seen what He's done with this guy. And you've seen what He did with me. And so, again, good talk is talk that is meant to build up the reputation of another. So, when someone comes to you with slander, here's the application for you. Here's maybe some way that you could respond to it. So if you're taking notes, write this down. So if somebody comes to you and they're coming in genuine concern, right? Oh, so-and-so, I just can't believe they... I thought so much better of them. You know, here's the first thing you could say. Have you shared this concern with them directly? Because you know, they're real good at this and they're great at this and they're, uh, and they're this and they're this. So have you, have you shared this concern with them? The next thing, do you, want me to, do you want me to help you seek reconciliation with this brother or this sister? Do you want me to help you really get this person back to where to where we want to see them be? Another response could be, um, have you took some time to put away your wrath, your bitterness, your hurt, and then go talk to them? You took some time to just put away your hurt and then go sit down and just talk to them? And so what you see in this is this. Good talk always builds up. It unifies. It doesn't tear down, destroy, and divide. Good talk is honorable talk. It's refined. In, it's in character. You know what it means to refine something? When you refine gold, what are you doing? And so the only thing you want when that thing comes out is just pure gold, right? You want to wipe the slag off the top. And that's the way our mouths ought to be. We ought to refine our language so that instead of just spewing out dishonorable, obscene things, it's refined. We're wiping the slag off of it before we let this thing come out. It's good talk that's honorable and it's in character. Good talk fits the occasion. Look at verse 29 again. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as what? As fits the occasion. So in other words, I'm not telling you that good talk is never us coming to each other addressing flaws and failures. No, I may need to come to Nick one day or Nick may need to come to me one day to talk about a, a failure or a flaw of some what, uh, uh, whatever it is. So it is good talk that builds up because it fits the occasion. In this particular occasion, good talk that fits is talk that says, hey brother, let's talk about this. Let's look at this because it's a little out of character. It's a little obscene. It's a little crude. It's a little whatever the case may be. Y'all tracking with me? So, good talk fits the occasion. Next, good talk benefits or gives grace to the hearer. Look again at the end of verse 29. As fits the occasion, and here's why, that it may give grace to those who hear. Or that word grace could be changed with that it may benefit. In other words, your words are meant to benefit one another. Not to take away from each other. To benefit each other. 
And so we want to give grace to those who hear. So good talk benefits or gives grace to the one who hears it. Good talk is thankful, not unthankful, because we recognize all the grace that we've been shown. And so you see the difference between corrupting talk and good talk, and you don't disguise good talk when it's actually corrupting talk. No, you'll know if it's good talk or not because it will have no seasoning of destruction in it whatsoever. It will fit the occasion and always be in love for the edification of the person that hears so that it benefits them. And let me tell you something, if we can learn to put this on with each other, you'll really start seeing the body of Christ grow until they reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Son of God, Jesus Christ Himself, what Paul said was the goal earlier in Ephesians chapter 4. You see how all this ties together? What he's doing there? And so again, why is this important? Well, number one, we're builders, we're not destroyers. God is a builder. God is a builder. Now, is He one day going to destroy? Yes, but you know why? It fits the occasion. It fits the occasion. It does. But we're builders, we're not destroyers. We're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21 and 22 tells us that we're being built together so that God can dwell in us by the Spirit. The next thing we want to give grace and benefit others the way that God does for us. Ain't you glad God ain't just sitting up there pointing out all your flaws and failures? Because He knows them. Ain't you glad that He's still benefiting you and still giving you what you need in order to grow and in order to be built up even though He knows all your bad? But that's not what He does for you. He benefits you by giving you grace. And then corrupting talk is out of character. And you are witnessing to the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. You are God's new creation created in His likeness. And you say to the world, I'm a new creation. I'm born again. But then drop F-bombs and, and tear people down. Completely out of character of what the new person is. So in closing, I'll just ask you this question right here. What does your talk do to those who hear you? When we get together as pastors and deacons, what does our talk do to those who hear each other? When the sewing group gets together on Monday night, what does their talk do to the ones that hear? Whenever me and Nick sit down and we, we talk about things in the church, what does our talk do to each other and the unity that it should bring in the body? When you sit down with your co-workers at work, what does your talk do for the one that hears what you have to say? Does it glorify God? Does it build up? Does it edify? Or is it unthankful, dishonorable, obscene, crude joking, filthy, tearing down? And if it is, you have a responsibility to put it off and put on good talk. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> what about your social media? What about your Facebook, your Instagram? What does it say to the world about you? 
I mean, I'm serious. I, I'm a political person too. I'm all about the things of God. Y'all tracking with me? But what does what you say to the world when you put it on something like Facebook, what does that say to the world about you? Put it off. Put on. Building up. Edifying. Thankful. <clears throat> put away the corrupt talk out of your mouth. Put on the good talk that builds up. Make sure it fits the occasion and make sure that it benefits the one who hears. That's what the new man looks like in the likeness of God. If y'all would stand this morning. <clears throat> I think God may be telling me to shut up. <clears throat> <clears throat> Maybe this don't apply to you. <clears throat> if it does, <clears throat> take it serious. We're here to learn from Jesus and to put on the new man. You have a responsibility to put it on. You come up and you ask God to forgive you for being out of character, for being dishonorable, for being obscene. And you ask God to help you to be aware that your default is that. But you want to put on the new man and be in character in His likeness and start watching for it. And let the Holy Spirit... That's the reason why the very next thing He says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption.